1: 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au.
0: Graham is a Christian man who, because of his Christian convictions, has been jailed six times, not in some sort of strange, far-off, developing, persecutor-of-Christians-type nation, but right here on our shores in Australia jailed because of his Christian convictions that the unborn have a right to life. You might have some pro life ideas. You might have some pro life opinions. You might like to contribute to our conversation today as we talk about some issues uh, with the abortion issues that are going on in Australia at the moment. But let's start with a catch up on some of the current things that are happening court appearances and the latest happenings in the life of Graham Preston. Graham, welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Graham, I always love getting updates from you because uh, you are someone who is not just words but actions and having been jailed six times here in Australia, that certainly demonstrates that and, and we've had a number of conversations now, in fact I've known you for about 20 years, uh, so it's, it's a long time I've known you and you are not the sort of out there on the edge, a crazy protester uh, that some people might think. In fact, as I sit opposite you, a level-headed, thoughtful, gentle, uh, and a person who is reflective on the things of God when it comes to this issue of abortion and your pro-life stance when it comes to the unborn. Tell me about the latest complex web of court appearances that you've just been through and that are ahead of you for standing up for the unborn.
2: Okay. Well, there's two different court cases coming up. The first one will be later this month on September the 25th here in Brisbane. Uh, back in July, I was arrested again just for simply standing on the footpath outside one of Brisbane's abortion clinics. That's the fifth time in the last two years that that has happened. Um That court case is about just the fact that the police came and said that I had to move on. I said, well, no, I'm just standing here on the footpath offering help to people going into this place. Uh, I can't see how there's any offence in that. And they said, no, you'll have to move. I refused and I was arrested. Now, that court case is set down, as I say, for three weeks, a bit over three weeks' time. Now, um, on the four previous occasions when I've been arrested here in Brisbane just for standing on the footpath like that, each time couple of days before the court case was due the police have said they're not going to offer any evidence and the charge was dropped. We're waiting to see if that's going to happen again this time uh, perhaps so this time the court case will go ahead and we'll see.
0: One might think they must be getting tired of having you in court but that's not the case and in fact some of these court cases are long drawn out processes and uh, I guess you've got to Adjust yourself every time you're appearing in court. Uh, you know, depending on which state you're in, depending on which time you were arrested, and which particular case is going at the at the moment. Because there's a number of cases all happening at once.
2: Oh yes, uh, that's one of the things you find out when you get involved in court cases that they can take a long time. And um, uh, this one, though, is not very long between being arrested in July and having the hearing in September. So that's relatively quick. Uh, I don't know if you want me to talk about the Tasmanian case now as well?
0: Yeah, give us an update and an overview because right. we'll move on to some other topics. But yep. uh, so far as those listeners who've heard our conversations before, keeping up to date with uh, Graham Preston, which is not easy. So uh, tell us about Tasmania as well.
2: Yes, well, this is certainly a longer, much longer drawn-out case and uh, with very significant potential repercussions. Uh it's coming up now to nearly two years since uh, Tasmania changed their law on abortion and part of that change was to make a bubble zone of 150 metres around any places where abortions are done and in which that zone you're not allowed to say anything against abortion. Uh, back in early 2014, I went to Hobart and stood outside the abortion clinic because we believed that this was a very serious precedent, there was no other law like this in Australia that uh, created such a bubble zone around a place and suppressed freedom of speech and so we believed that it was necessary to challenge this law and so in uh, March of 2014 I was arrested, that court case came up in September last year and the police dropped that charge two days before the uh, hearing was due to be held. Uh, so I then went back to the abortion clinic and uh, subsequently again in this uh, in April of this year, I went again and uh, was arrested. It gets a bit complicated because the police then told me that they had charged me for the pre- previous September without having told me. Mm. And so I've ended up now with three charges against me. and uh, when we, when I was there in April of this year, uh, there was a Tasmanian couple that were with me, uh, Ray and Penny Stallard. And so the three of us have been charged for standing outside that abortion clinic in April of this year, and finally that court case is due to come up on to be heard on December the second and December of the fourth of this year. I should just pause and reflect for a moment on Ray and
0: Penny because listeners to this program might remember that it was Penny who called in and was making a comment about an earlier conversation that we had, and uh, she was in touch with you and and there was a new connection, a new friendship made there. And Ray and Penny uh, together uh, went out on the street with you and yes. uh, began to protest alongside. So, uh, as a vision listener, as someone who'd been inspired to do that, we certainly honour Ray and Penny. And uh, we certainly are right there in with you, uh, Ray and Penny, given that uh, you're facing charges for having stood alongside Graham.
2: Yes, I uh, hope they're listening in now. I know they're regular listeners to Vision Radio and uh, it was terrific to have had somebody who, through one of these interviews, heard what we, I was involved with and said that, yes, we want to be with you and uh, and were prepared to go the whole way and uh, get arrested and now be part of the court case with me. So, yes, I have a great deal of respect for the both of them and uh, it's great to have them as part of this.
0: And it's one thing, I guess, Graham, to be arrested uh, to face a fine, and I know that the fines were not so great early on, but they just kept getting steeper and steeper, uh, eventually uh, jailed, and I mentioned six times uh, that you'd been in jail, uh, all of that uh, with legal Uh, uh, fees uh, for uh, lawyers, and I know you have a team of barristers who are supportive of what you're doing, and they're uh, helping out so far as the legal representation goes. But to stand alongside you on the street, you do have to count the cost, don't you? Because uh, there can be a significant, long, drawn-out difficulty for you that, that can affect a lot of areas of your life.
2: Oh, yes, for sure, and that is something that we always tell people, you've got to count the cost before you get involved with this issue in these sorts of ways because the potential cost is considerable and you don't want to find out after you've got involved, well, this is going to be quite serious. You want to know that in advance so that you can determine whether or not you are prepared to do that. So, yes, it is something that we would encourage people to go into with their eyes wide open but not to... I mean, Jesus told us to count the cost, but uh, he was saying, yes, be aware of what it's going to cost you to follow me. But he wasn't saying, well, don't follow me because it's going to cost you. He's just saying, you be aware of what it is going to cost you and then follow me. And so, yes, we would encourage people to count the cost, but still be prepared to uh, speak up and act against this terrible issue.
0: And, of course, the costs go beyond uh, the fines and even the jail time. And I must say, happy Father's Day for yesterday to you. Thank you. Uh, But uh, just recently, your son was married in the United States to an American girl. Uh, But you weren't able to go to the wedding because you would not likely have been allowed into the U.S. given that you now have a criminal record.
2: Yes, that's right, Uh, having many... Uh, court appearances and convictions and, uh, and having spent time in jail many times, uh, it would make it very difficult for me to be able to get a visa. And so, yes, that's right. That was an unexpected cost. We never anticipated this 12 years ago when we first got involved with uh, uh, directly challenging abortion and resulting in court cases and things that one day I mightn't be able to attend my son's wedding. Uh, so that was uh, a significant disappointment. At the same time, my son is fully supportive of what we're involved with and his wife. And so they were fully understanding as much as they would like me to have been there. Uh, but we I was able to watch the wedding on Skype. So uh, with the modern, wonders of modern technology, I was able to be there, even though I couldn't really be there.
0: So. You could see what was going on, but you couldn't give those hugs and uh, the blessing of a dad at his son's wedding. That's right. uh, Yeah, Yeah, that was disappointing. Uh, You know, you spent six periods of time in jail, total around 18 months, and you made some friends in jail as well. And uh, at one stage there, you tried to visit. And because you're a former inmate yourself and facing all sorts of charges, uh, you're not even allowed to visit those friends that you made in jail.
2: Yes, well, this is something new. I have many times been to visit my friends that I've made in jail, and uh, but it, it's only in the last two years that uh, I have been told because of my continued new charges that they won't let me visit. So it's only up until then I had been regularly visiting men, but uh, now they won't let me. So.
0: Well, there are a lot of things to talk about today. Let's uh, just bring a few issues to the fore and uh, and then we can enlarge on some. But uh, we were talking about uh, what's happened in Tasmania, those bubble zones. Uh, there's a new bill introduced into the Victorian Parliament uh, from Fiona Patton, uh, the sex party in Victoria. That bill is about creating a 150-metre bubble zone around places where abortions are done in that state. Uh, you've been monitoring that along and and i guess uh, from time to time you're traveling to victoria that sort of bill would affect you too
2: oh well um yes i mean this was only introduced last week and so they are certainly largely seeking to follow the tasmanian precedent and that's what our concern was that if um the tasmanian law was allowed to remain unchallenged other states would follow and that's uh, largely, exactly what is happening. They're endeavouring to, to have a similar uh, suppression of freedom of speech there in Victoria as well through this bill, and so certainly, and I mean there are pro-lifers that regularly go to the abortion clinics in Victoria, and so this bill would affect them very much. So um, yes, we, it would be a very severe dampener on the pro-life presence.
0: Uh, We'll talk some more about that. Another issue too, which is uh, to the fore, those recent revelations that came out of the United States, Uh, the organisation Planned Parenthood, who uh, were the uh, subjects of an investigative expose on what was happening behind the scenes, the sale of body parts, of unborn babies. Now, allegedly, uh, they're selling these body parts in the United States and Planned Parenthood are very uh, widely uh, across uh, the United States. A-, a very difficult one. Anyone who saw any of those videos of the expose are certainly left in no doubt that there's real challenges there when it comes to what happens in an abortion clinic.
2: Yes, they have been extremely revealing and I would encourage listeners to... Uh, watch those on the internet, they're readily available. I think there's seven videos now have been released that were done by uh, people going in undercover Mm -hmm. and uh, interviewing workers at the uh, Planned Parenthood abortion clinics and uh, exposing the fact that, uh, yes, they appear to be profiting from the sale of baby body parts from aborted babies. And, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, aborting babies is the major wrong but to then go on and sell their body parts is even more shocking. And so, yes, this has been an extremely disturbing revelation of what is going on there. And Planned Parenthood in America is majorly funded by the American government. I think it's $500 million a year or something they are getting of public money. And uh, people finding out now they're then going and selling the body parts. <laughs>
0: And shortly after those revelations came to light, uh, organisations like the Australian Christian Lobby, and no doubt you perhaps uh, were uh, uh, saying similar things, that there ought to be some sort of inquiry in Australia as to whether the same practices happen here. Uh, so uh, is that the sort of thing that, uh, that you've been calling for, Graham?
2: Uh We haven't made a public statement to that effect, but certainly others have. And uh, certainly it could be the case that if it's happening there, it could be happening here as well, yes.
0: A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Good to have you along with us. It's Neil with you on 2020. Our special guest this hour is Graham Preston, pro-life activist. And as we've been saying, Graham, having been jailed six times because he is a pro-life activist, someone who's been protesting on the footpaths outside abortion clinics, in various states, mainly along the East Coast here in Australia. Well, our talkback line's open for your input into our conversation today on 1-800-316-316. In fact, let's take a call. Let's hear from Sarah in Rockhampton in Queensland. Hello, Sarah. Welcome along to 2020. Hello. Sarah, what are your thoughts Hi. on our conversation today?
3: Um. Well, I'm... Personally, I'm not a pro lifer because I think that if a, say, a 15 year old girl gets pregnant, that she shouldn't have to pay for that for what is essentially the rest of her life, taking care of this baby, and she's not going to be able, really be able to do the things that she wants to do. But, um, I mean, I think that after a certain stage, then of course you can't abort the baby because, you know, it's fully formed and all the rest of it. But um, in regards to the, um, people over in America who are selling the body parts of babies, and I'm I'm sort of of two minds. I mean, it sounds very shocking the first time you hear of it, but then I I think, well, what if the body parts um, can be used, um, like, uh, compatible with a baby who's born without a heart or something like that, and they can put the body, that body part that was taken from the aborted baby and um, use it in the baby that was born without a heart and save that baby?
0: Sarah, let's get some thoughts from Graham Preston.
2: Yes, well, Sarah, that seems though like we're just using babies as commodities and uh, just you know stripping them of their pieces like an old car, and I think that is a, a very tragic way to look at using human lives in such a way as that. I mean, many people are shocked by the fact that it seems that the Chinese kill prisoners and then use their body parts for, uh, you know, kidneys for other people and so on and find that repulsive. But isn't Uh,
3: that what we do in Australia if someone dies in a car accident and they say that, um, yes, I want my organs donated to help another person live?
2: Well, it's a very different thing if if somebody gives their consent like that and uh, for for those who give no consent, to just simply strip their organs from them is uh, is very very different. different
3: consent what if the mother says that no i don't want this child and they have a perfect right to do that because it's their life and the child isn't born yet and they say well i don't want my child but for someone who has a child that isn't going to live then yes i give my consent for my unborn and who is never going to live child to be used to save this child i mean why is one child more important than another
2: Oh, but they're all important. So we wouldn't say one is more important than the other. We shouldn't be doing this to any children. And, I mean, that's what the whole issue turns on. How valuable is the child that the woman is carrying? And we would say that there is no difference between the value of the child's life and the mother's life, and so we shouldn't be killing either of them. And uh, if we're not allowing abortion in the first place, well, then the whole issue about using their organs becomes moot.
3: Mm. Why shouldn't um abortion be allowed? I mean I know I realize that yes, you say that um abortion shouldn't be allowed because it's um because it's against God's will and um all life is sacred and all the rest of it but I mean is really is every single life sacred? There's more than seven billion people in the world, and if we keep doing more and more life, then we're just going to increase the population so much that as we see now with climate change and all the rest of it, the world can't actually support us. So why why can't we have a few less people?
2: Well, there's many contestable things you've said there, but if we're going to say that a solution to any problem is the taking of human lives, especially innocent human lives, then I think we have really, really crossed a, a very significant line and we're in a real mess. Whatever the, solution, or whatever the problem might be, I believe as... People And certainly as Christian people, we must never say that, well, to try to solve a problem, we will kill an innocent person. I mean, for yourself, if somebody said they had a problem and they thought their solution would be to kill you, would you say, oh, that's okay?
3: Well, I'm alive, but an unborn child isn't alive yet. Why can't we just have a few less children Well like not, not have the children? If you're saying uh, we can't abort children, then why don't we go a step further and say, well, don't even bother trying to have a child.
2: Well, the fact is once a woman is pregnant, the child is there. And so maybe other things, you know, she should not have been in a sexually active position if she wasn't willing to raise a child. But the fact is that once the child is there, the child is there, and so that is the, because
3: most children are naturally aborted before they're one month old. So how can we say that a child is there before say three months when it hasn't actually attached itself to a woman's body when it can naturally be aborted after before one month?
2: Well, the baby is attached to the uh, the mother long before uh, three months, and they're attached within I think seven days. And so it's not a case that, uh, you know, there is no child there. Just check your biology book. Life, all life, begins at fertilization. And so once the, uh, the sperm and the egg have come together, then a new life is there. And it's just a matter of it growing and maturing. So the, there is a life there always. And uh, we believe we should not deliberately interrupt that. There's a big difference between life unintentionally lost and life deliberately lost. I mean, that's why we dif- differentiate between an accident and a murder. We, When an accident occurs, we treat people differently to when somebody deliberately takes a life. And we would see the difference here. If life is naturally lost, that's one thing. If we deliberately act to end life, that's another.
0: Sarah from Rockhampton, thanks so much for your call today and for reflecting what is in the mind of so many people when it comes to this issue of abortion. Uh, one thing before we take a, another call, uh, the idea of personhood, uh, because there isn't any doubt that life begins at conception. And that never was ever disputed until the idea of trying to assess when that life becomes a person, Graham, and that's been a, 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 something that people love to argue about and certainly people who are on the pro-abortion side, they like to uh, to say that it's not a person until it's born. But, but of course, babies are people and they are persons right from that conception.
2: Yes, we would believe that uh, establishing or trying to say that they are not a person is creating a false situation. We believe that where you have human life, you have a person, and there is no substantial difference between the two. Uh, and it's there is no doubt that human life is there. And just like you know, when a, a, a dog is pregnant, they are carrying a, a puppy. Uh, when a woman is pregnant, she's carrying a baby. There is no real disputing that from a scientific point of view. But pro-abortionists have tried to make a differentiation between human life and person and that's, we believe, a false distinction, that a, a human life is a person and there is no substantial difference. And there is no really way of defining well, what is a person because you can come up with all sorts of criteria, and including people like Australian philosopher Peter Singer, who works at Princeton, He's infamous for saying that he doesn't believe a born baby should even be defined as a person until they've reached a point where they are self-aware. Now, when does a baby become self-aware? Uh, you know, I've had seven children and uh, I, I think it's many months after birth before you could say definitely the baby is aware of themselves. And he's quite prepared to say that babies should be allowed to be aborted up until that point. After, I mean, not aborted, killed. Uh, after birth Uh, and so and because there is no fixed point which you can say there is a, a person we believe that what we have to go with is human life and when you have a human life which starts at fertilization we believe we should not be allowed to end their life deliberately
0: You can be a part of our conversation today. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Emma in Warrnambool in Victoria. Hello, Emma. Welcome along to 2020. Yes, hello. Emma, what are your thoughts on our conversation today?
1: I just want to say thank you for giving a voice to the unborn child that has no voice. And I'm just amazed by the patience that he is displaying and explaining to people that don't realise that all life is valuable, regardless of what age or stage it's at. It's just amazing that he's um, given up his life and his time to give a voice to those that don't have a voice.
2: Yes, well, thanks, Emma. Um, uh, I go out regularly on the streets here in Brisbane and uh, four times a week, and uh, so you have lots of opportunity to uh, learn to be patient with people because (laughs) people are quite happy to come up and uh, try to set me straight. So... um, uh, you have to learn to be patient, to try to be able to speak to them and uh, hopefully help them to see that uh, uh, their abusive comments are not helpful and that uh, their attitude toward the unborn child is uh, is um, mistaken. And so, yes, uh, uh, I've been doing this for about 25 years, so yeah. I've had a lot of opportunities.
1: Well, it's, it also reminds me of the ad they've currently got on the TAC ad. Have you seen it?
2: Uh, I'm not sure.
1: They um, they asked a guy how many the death tolls currently this from cars. What number do you think's okay? And he says seventy. And then seventy of his family come around the corner, and he goes zero. Zero <laughs> is too. Do you know what I mean? That's yes. Just, and what you're talking about, it's like well, all life is valuable, and I just thank you that you are giving a voice, and you've um, it just amazes me what you've done. So awesome
2: job. Well, I would also point out, Emma, that not many people realise that for every. Um, person who dies in a traffic accident in Australia, there are about 80 children that are aborted. And so we have a very high concern about the road toll, which we should, but uh, relative to the road toll, the number of human lives taken by abortion just dwarfs that number.
0: Emma from Warrnambool in Victoria, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join our conversation, let's take a call from Vivian in Rockhampton in Queensland. Hello, Vivian. Yes, Vivian, what are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, my thoughts. Hi. Um I I I think all life is precious and I know that it's going to be a, there's going to be a huge outcry if um ab- if um animal animal fetuses are aborted in the world, there's going to be an outcry. But there's hardly any, I mean, the concern for human life is um, shockingly um not as serious as the concern for animal life. So, um also, um, I think I might sound harsh, but if we tell our kids right from when they're growing up to abstain from sex, sex, premarital sex is a sin, And that's what's leading us to all these problems today. Because um, the previous, um, the, uh, there was a caller who said, well, if such a young person, I respect her, but um, I'm so, it's so sad to hear that um, someone that young already has this kind of thoughts towards life. So there's a lot of ignorance about human life and the, the the preciousness of the of the gift that God has given to us. I
2: yeah. happen
4: to I happen to be um to have knowledge of um, embryology, how, how, how conception takes place. It's such an, inti- an intricate and complicated design that you see God has done for this for the sperm, before the sperm fertilizes the egg, the competition from each all the sperms, only one is good enough to fertilize the egg. And it's a whole complicated and intricate design, a lovely process. There's a whole huge book on embryology alone, the study of fertilization of the the fetus, how the fetus comes about. And then somebody just truncates the whole process within a few minutes or some hours. And it's been proven from um, people have noticed that when a baby is is about to be aborted, the baby, the fetus actually runs away from the, from the sharp instrument. The babies even try to yell. You know, they yell, they scream, you know, and they feel the pain. So uh, I think God, God is not happy with us in the whole world with what we're doing. And I think the whole of humanity has to repent and take this thing seriously. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Vivian. Uh, Graham, your thoughts on what Vivian's sharing?
2: Oh, yes, well, you're quite right, Vivian. I mean, if people dig dig up turtle eggs and things, that they'll be in big trouble for doing that. If you go to the uh, some of the beaches where the turtles come in and uh, people dig those up, there's a lot of fuss about that because uh, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, but if you want to kill the baby in the womb, well, we as a society say that's okay. And so, yes, there certainly are these double standards. And your other comment about... Um, We would just urge people to take responsibility for their behavior. And, you know, the whole abortion issue goes away if people are willing to take responsibility for what they do. If people are going to say, well, I'm mature enough, I'm old enough to be sexually active, well, you've got to be prepared to accept the fact that you could become pregnant. And uh, we say to people, well, if you think that you uh, can have sexual relations, then you shouldn't be, if you then say, well, I can't raise a child, because we all know that if you're going to be sexually active, there is a very real chance that you could become pregnant and we would say, well, you can't then make the child pay with their life for your behaviour. If you're going to be sexually active, you've got to be prepared to accept that you could become pregnant.
0: It's Neil with you, 2020, and a very sensitive, controversial, and important conversation again this hour. Graham Preston, our guest, pro-life activist, and as we've said, Graham has been jailed six times because of his outspokenness when it comes to his Christian conviction that babies in the womb are people too we're taking calls on a whole range of issues to do with this abortion topic at one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 graham let's hear from another listener this one an anonymous listener uh, hello uh, anonymous listener welcome along to
1: 2020
0: hi there hi there what are your thoughts
1: my thoughts are um these people that are so pro-abortion have they thought of the you know down the lane, you know, a couple of years down the lane, how is that person who's had abortion going to manage? you know things always come back to you, I think, and you, know, so nobody thinks further than you know no, no one just thinks that they they just. Think about it. It's just so selfish.
0: I think you're right. People are rather short-sighted because yeah. the sorts of uh, a, a, a trauma that goes on and uh, the amount of counselling that happens for yeah. people who've gone through this. Uh, Graham Preston, uh, just to reflect on our our, our caller, uh, your wife is involved. Liz, she's involved in a lot of uh, counselling and support for women who've been through abortion. Uh, your thoughts on our listeners' uh,
2: comments? Yes, uh, from talking with my wife, uh, with her, uh, she does pre- and post-abortion counselling and uh, talking with women who've had abortions, many of them say that, what you've just said, that uh, they hadn't thought about where it was going to lead and often it's only when they become happily pregnant that they think back and realise, well, what they did the first time with their previous baby and uh, it becomes very, very difficult for them to face up to what they have done and... Because abortion is a topic that very few people in our society are willing to talk about, we believe that there are many women out there who are deeply hurting and uh, because of the abortion that they have had, but they don't know where to go with that pain because nobody is, is is talking about it. And so we believe that women need to be given the opportunity to speak out and say, yes, I've had an abortion and it was a very bad thing that happened. And uh, because they're not warned in advance what this can do to them emotionally and physically having an abortion.
0: Thank you so much to that caller. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to be part of our conversation today here on 2020. Uh, Let me just bring you back, Graham, uh, some of the things we were talking about a little earlier uh, the idea, as one caller raised, about, uh, about this person in the womb and, uh, you know, when in fact that life is considered to be a person, we said that as Christians we would hold that it's, you know, a person right from the very beginning. Uh, But let's talk about this because this is an interesting uh, idea that Christians seem to be the ones who are solid when it comes to having a pro-life idea about these things. And that doesn't mean that it excludes people who are not Christian who can look at the science as well as anybody can and say this is a life right from conception. But the fact that Christians tend to stand this way, there are some really good reasons why.
2: Yes, for sure, and I think that that is very significant. You're right that you don't have to be a Christian to recognize that abortion is a, a very bad thing and it causes a great deal of harm. But I think the Christian position gives you a consistent basis for holding that view uh, with the Bible teaching that all human life is made in the image of God for a start. And so that's what gives life value. If we have just randomly come into existence, then what does give life value we believe that because it is God that is our creator, that gives us our value, our intrinsic value that uh, all humans have. And so for a start, we believe that it means that every human life, including the very youngest and the oldest, are all valuable in God's eyes. But there are other passages in the scripture as well. Psalm 139 is the very well-known passage where the psalmist exalts in God's awareness of and involvement in his growth in his mother's womb. But especially we would see uh, the incarnation of Jesus, God himself coming into the world as a babe. and every indication is that uh, Jesus grew normally in his mother's womb like the rest of us, and there we have God incarnate growing in his mother's womb. And we believe that validates the... gives value to the... affirms the value of the life of every human being, the fact that God would grow in a human mother's womb, just like the rest of us. And that just shows that uh, that life from the very beginning is, is, is intrinsically valuable.
0: Interestingly, when we talk about being made in the image and likeness of God uh, and then reflecting on those Ten Commandments, where one of those is, Thou shalt not murder, we have a deeper understanding of why we stand for a pro life position when we appreciate that the moral character of God is transcendent. It's above just people making some sort of arbitrary judgment because we have something which is coming right from the very heart of God that says people are valuable, that people ought not be murdered. And, of course, uh, the way we can assess that, obviously we have to bring an assessment to it, but an appreciation of the Scriptures and understanding what God has spoken through his revelation to us gives us a deeper understanding of what's valuable. And so lives are valuable because God says lives are valuable, the fact that we're created in his image.
2: Yes, that's right. And um, that's the whole reason why we believe we must be speaking up on this issue, because just as in previous times in history, other human lives have been regarded as of lesser value. We saw that with slavery, that just simply because of the color of a person's skin uh, other groups believed that they could just treat them as property and do with them what they wanted and slay them, kill them even. We saw that with the Holocaust during World War II that the Jews were treated as subhuman and that they could be killed at the, the will of others. We would say that we're saying the same thing, seeing the same thing with abortion, that a group of humanity is just being treated as if they are subhuman or non-human and are being able to be destroyed at will. We would say in all of those instances that that is an abuse of what God wants us to do. He wants us to care for each other and protect the most vulnerable and not kill.
0: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you. Our guest this hour is Graham Preston, pro-life activist. We're talking through issues to do with abortion. Let's come back quickly, Graham, to this issue that's going on in Victoria Uh, where the Sex Party in Victoria and uh, the member Fiona Patton has introduced a bill into the Victorian Parliament to create a 150-metre bubble zone around places where abortions are being done in that state. And uh, hearing uh, from the Premier there uh, that uh, that that's a a direction that they're moving. Uh, Your quick comment on on what ought to be done uh, with regards to protesting and and helping to inform that debate.
2: Yes, well, we would see it as... We would see it as a disaster if the uh, state government there were to back this bill. We would hope that uh, they, the government would not do so because it's obvious to us that this is just a complete suppression of freedom of speech in this country. We do not have any laws like this anywhere else. And uh, we would see this as an extreme move to to stop people being able to offer help and speak out against the taking of the life of the unborn child. Okay. And uh,
0: with regards to what's happening with Planned Parenthood in the US, what is the actual legal uh, focus there? What law is being broken there, Graham?
2: Yes, well, there's no disputing that uh, the organs of the unborn babies are being harvested. That is clearly the case. But the issue really is in terms of the law is Planned Parenthood profiting from the sale of these babies' organs? And if uh, it is established that they are, then they are liable for prosecution because that is against the law in America to profit from the sale of body organs. one eight
0: hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 If you'd like to be part of our conversation today, you might have some thoughts on these issues to do with abortion. And Graham Preston, pro-life activist, jailed six times, for his Christian conviction, that babies in the womb are people too. Uh, Graham, let me just bring you back to being on the street and the attitudes that people have to you. I mean, we're talking about people who are walking past. We're talking about people who work in those abortion clinics. Uh, We're talking about the police that you've had lots of contact with, uh, given you've been arrested so many times. Uh, When you're you're on the street, are you often fearful for your own safety?
2: Uh, Well, uh, you have to have an attitude of being trusting in God to uh, give you the grace to cope with whatever comes because if you allow yourself to become um, suppressed by fear, then you wouldn't ever get out there. So you have to be prepared to trust God because uh, certainly things happen that are not very pleasant. Just a few weeks ago outside one of the clinics, a fellow came up behind me, a big young fellow, and just grabbed a hold of my signs and... um, uh, took them from me and uh, my policy is I'm not going to get into a punch up over a piece of cardboard and so um, I didn't uh, get into a fight with him over that an extraordinary thing happened though just uh, as the guy wa- walked off down the street with him I heard a voice behind me saying are you okay and I turned around and there were two ambulance officers and um, an ambulance had been driving by while the assault was occurring and uh, one of them thought that the fellow had punched me and uh, they'd stopped the give me assistance if I needed it. But uh, the fellow hadn't hit me, although he had been telling me he was going to kill me. Uh, And so that was quite uh, a um, surprising uh, outcome that the ambulance offered help like that, and uh, I was very appreciative of um, them doing so. But mostly it is verbal attacks every so often. uh, I mean, I've lost many signs over the years like that, but uh, mostly people just verbally attack me. Uh, But there are plenty of people who also give... uh, uh, words of encouragement as well. So it's a real mixture. You just never know when somebody approaches you whether they're going to be friendly or not. And um, I'm always quite happy to engage people in conversation if they're willing to converse, but uh, more often than not, those that don't uh, appreciate what I'm doing uh, simply just want to be abusive and not very conversational.
0: We're taking calls one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Alison is in Cairns in Queensland. Hello, Alison. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, hello. Alison, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, I'd just like to very quickly say um, I'd, I, there's another voice that's not being heard in this whole debate and that's the voice of the fathers of a lot of these babies that are being aborted and um, I really feel that there's a lot of dads out there that miss the opportunity to be a father or aren't given their choice or their say in the whole debate and I really feel for those men that their babies are aborted without their permission because ultimately a lot of times it's left up to the, to the mother to make that decision.
0: Alison, that's very insightful. Thank you so much for your comment and being part of 2020 today. i um, will get a comment from, uh, from Graham, just a moment, but let's hear from Jeremy in Victoria. Hello, Jeremy, welcome along to 2020. You'll need to be fairly quick.
2: Oh, yes. Uh, I'm with, um, my name's Jeremy. I'm with the helpers of God's precious infants here in Melbourne. And, uh, look, I've only just come recently, but, uh, a question around the public perceives protesting as as uh, very negative, but I I really want to put the point of view that the helpers are there to advocate for life and to offer an alternative, and um, that should be all positive in that sense. It's positive. It's about offering an alternative. It's being uh, sensitive. It's being respectful, and and the media and um, oh even in the parliament the last week portraying this as very negative and very they use the word violent, intimidatory, and th- and harassment, and things like that. And how do we dispel that, I guess, is the question. Yes, well, uh, they're both good comments. And just regarding Alison's comment, I agree with you 100%, Alison. And this is one of the tragedies, though, that legally there is nothing that a father can do to stop an abortion going ahead. It's gone to the High Court in Australia where one father did try to stop his girlfriend having an abortion and the High Court said no, he had no say in it. And so that is a a tragedy that uh, men are not able to have any say, even though they're the father of their own child. They're the father of the child and it's their child that's going to be killed and they cannot do anything to stop that. As far as your comment goes, Jeremy, I agree that um, we are very often portrayed as being aggressive doesn't seem to matter how peacefully we do things and how helpful we are uh it's in their interest to try to uh, misrepresent us our intentions and our behavior uh all we can simply do is just continue to do the right thing and um regardless of whatever might be said about us it's not true we just um have to just do what we believe we have to do Jeremy, thanks so
0: much for your insights today here on 2020. And running short of time now, uh, let me just ask you quickly, Graham. Uh, when people go to your website, protect-life, that's protect life with a hyphen there in between, dot .info, uh, they're going to read a little bit of your history. Uh, are they going to be able to connect in any particular way?
2: Oh, yes, I'm always happy to hear peop- from people. They can uh, get our email address from that website and... We are always very pleased to hear people's feedback on what we have there. Yes, as you say, it does set out the history of what we have done over the last um, 13 years under the name of Protect Life. But we also have a a lot of articles there, short ones that we have written that respond to the questions that people have about what we do. So uh, people can read those.
0: And people can be in touch with Pregnancy Help Australia. Your wife, Liz, is on the committee for that and there are a number of centres around the nation where people can make contact.
2: Yes, there's about 21 different uh, uh, crisis pregnancy centres that are affiliated with Pregnancy Help Australia and to find out where they are, their web address is pregnancysupport.com.au.
0: Well, Graham Preston, always good getting your insights into these issues, and I know that there'll be listeners who may want to make contact with you. Uh, I mentioned Protect Life with a hyphen in the middle. dot info is your website, and uh, we also mentioned Pregnancy Help Australia. Graham, thanks so much for being with us today on Twenty Twenty.
2: Thank you, Neil.